Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. It is indeed time for Movies and Booze, our WhatsApp number 087-1400-106. We are joined by Esther McCarthy, Fanula Jones and Leslie Williams. Good afternoon to you all. Hi, guys. Hi, Sean. Uh, uh, now, uh, what's up with you, Leslie? Because yes. uh, we we're doing wine some that Loire. I just think of Loire Valley. Is there an, another bit to it? Uh, well, no, no, it's, it's a long valley, but the Loire is a very long river. You know, right. so it, okay. it goes in from Nantes all the way in as far as Tour and then keeps going over towards Paris and then suddenly dips right down and goes down to Poitiers. So like it, it, it's like an L-shaped or sort of, a, what would that be? A, a line that goes across and then down. Yeah, backwards L, <laughs> let's backwards. say. Yeah. Yeah, a yeah, lazy yeah, L. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. So, and, we're, and it's not, uh, I'm not doing the Sancerre and we're doing the the first bit, which is the more interesting bit in my. Well, it depends, uh, but um, yeah, sort of yeah, Chenin Blanc, Cabernet Franc, that kind of. Um, I was there recently, so right, of course you were, yeah. uh, and because yeah, I see one of them is one of the is a a, a bubbly one, yes, or... exactly. So they make well, that's the great thing about the Loire is that they basically make um, sparkling wine in dry and sweeter versions. They make uh, rosé, they make dry wine, they make lightly sweet wine, they make intensely sweet you know 100 year ageing sweet wines so it's it's the, it's a really 100 years well you could leave yeah. it, well a really good bottle of Bonneso should last 60, 70 years, years you know right. in theory I mean, and, and that, you know that very very sweet wine that's hmm. very cloying when you, are you supposed to have that with your dessert are you supposed to have that actually with your starter well okay so the French would generally use it for pate and as a starter yeah. and, and it's as, or as an aperitif it's quite common to as an aperitif it's not quite sweet enough for dessert if you try serving a sauterne or a bonazo mm. with dessert it's just going to make the wine taste dry because the desserts are always going to be sweeter yeah. so it is a, but I think I'd love to serve it with cheese and, yeah. uh, and just in the and, and it's, yeah, we tend to call it dessert wine it's not really dessert wine it's, 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 it's yeah, sweet I think it's just a wine. kind of a thing over here that we call it that yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it, it generally Generally speaking, is it always stronger than the one you might have with your dinner? It's stronger as in alcohol? Yes. Oh, no, no, it's lower. Because, is it? Yes, because right, you've got, okay. you got, you got, often there's residual sugar. So like German sweet wines, for example, they might only be 7-8% uh, because oh. the, the, the sugar that didn't get converted into alcohol is, is part of the sweetness, you know. Um, but uh, yes, they're usually 12-11 or so, you know. Right. But they're sweet in a very particular way because they, they get botrytis, which is this rot that well okay I'll tell you a story so they give the wine a disease and then they serve it to you yes Um, Mm. in in red wine it's called grey rot in in white wine it's called botrytis cinerea noble rot (laughs) (laughs) sound that noble (laughs) (laughs) A&E is full every weekend with people with that (laughs) <laughs> Typically, uh, you get mists in the morning, dewy mornings, mm. and then that settles on the grapes, and then hopefully you get warm sunshine in the afternoon, and then dries it off. And that that change causes this botrytis cinerea, and it shrivels the grapes. They lose water content, but increase their um, their their sugar content, or the sugar content gets concentrated. And as a result, and you're left with you are left sometimes with this vaguely rotten smell. Mostly, they go very honeyed, but you mm. will sometimes get a slightly hint of pureed putrid but only a hint it's only a hint and it's something you, you don't not everyone talk, I mean, yeah, they, they'll say oh no it just gets more honey but actually no you can get that slight sort of faint hiff, whiff of um, and look they're, they're delicious I mean, and, and yeah. the, ideally they should only be made in the years when the botrytis is good uh, there are ways of cheating and making it every year but I can't disapprove of that because you're charging a lot of money for these things and so it should be something special rather than something that you just did by drying the grapes and so on you know. Right. So are either of the wines we're having no, today I, diseased I, I, I wines? About that. No, I thought about bringing you dessert. I'll no. do that another time. But I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've, I've actually gone with a, with a dry Vouvray um, br- 
Brut, which is okay. Brut in the same way as Champagne is Brut. Lovely. And I have a, a red Chinon, which is, I, I'm suggesting, a red wine for summer because it's very fresh and okay. crispy and, yeah. Okay, good call. Excellent call. Right, uh, so uh, Esther... Uh, Bloody Transformers uh, um, uh, is all I can say. It's just, I mean, there was that cute one that they made uh, with, with the girl, uh, but but the, the name of which completely it's, escapes me. Um, it's but is this Bumblebee, the Sean. That, that's yeah. the worst thing about the Transformers series, Sean. They showed us hope and it was the thing with feathers and uh, it was Bumblebee and it was really lovely. Mm. Um, Travis Knight made it, nor- normally an animation director, but he just brought heart to the whole thing. And there was plenty of like space robot action as well and things transforming. But it just showed you how you can make a, a blockbuster and bring an intimacy to it. And yeah, gave us hope for this one. And here we are back to the same old rubbish. Yeah. So this is noisy, clangy, too long, confusing, poor Look, script. It's, um, <laughs> I have to steal a line from one of the US critics when I say it feels like what a movie made by AI might look like in the future. Oh. Um, and unfortunately, there's too many of them. And I'm, you know what? I'm just now that we're back on our first full on blockbuster season um, this year, it's once you see that every movie is basically a photocopy of an idea from another movie, it's really hard to unsee it. Um, and I'm talking about all but the best blockbusters here that feel increasingly like they're made by committee that end in cliffhangers um, instead of a normal narrative of a film. And it feel like they're just designed to build a franchise and the money men are dictating the stories and the blockbusters we're getting this mm. summer. Very much so, I think. Yeah. And I think this is um, a, a real prime optimum prime example of all of that. <laughs> the thing is, like, <laughs> I can kind of vaguely understand why the superhero uh, uh, genre, you know, might be attractive to some people. But, like, this is a film about bloody lorries that come to, like, you know, what kind of drugs would you be on in the first place to even come up with that idea? What drugs would you be on to say, that's an idea, let's make a huge movie franchise about lorries from space? And humans screaming at the lorries, (laughs) you know, very very obviously looking like they've been doing acting work on uh, to to green screen, which they have. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's very hard to ground. It just shows how good I think Kylie Steinfeld and Travis Knight were in bringing Bumblebee to audiences and what they did with it. But it's such a pity um, that they didn't build on that here, you know, that they Uh, just gave us the old juggernaut again. uh, And uh, the second uh, movie, Medusa Deluxe. Now, uh, Murder in a Hairdresser sounds like an actually good idea. Happy out. We call this one Scissors Out maybe um, because it's kind of, I call this maybe the love child of Knives Out because it sustains um, that whodunit premise very well right to the end. And the love child also of Attack the Block. I don't know if you ever saw Attack the Block, um, Mm, Sean. It's a good few years old now, but it's like an alien invasion movie, except the aliens decided to invade one of the roughest tower blocks in London and got their butts kicked. Basically, it's great fun. Uh, it introduced us to John Boyega, made him a star. And uh, it has that black, pitch black London humour, this film, that you saw on Attack the Block as well. So it's it's got a lot going on, this one. It's a first time filmmaker. Um, it does the one shot thing that we saw from um, uh, Boiling Point last year, where they, uh, you know, endeavour to make the entire film in a single take and all the jitteriness that that brings. Um, but it has to work it can't be just a gimmick either. It has to work. And we'll talk about maybe why that works with the help of an Irish connection here, a Dublin man by the name of Robbie Ryan, who's the cinematographer on this one. Uh, one of the most in-demand cinematographers in the world at the moment, actually. 
Okay, good. All right. So, well, that's uh, one good thing uh, uh, to look forward to. Uh, also, the Barbie movie will be coming out uh, soon, uh, Fanula. And, and like, is it because they made the Barbie movie that the world ran out of pink paint? Or is, I mean, this is this is a bonkers story, really. Yeah, but, but, there were lots of reports about this this week. So the production designer from Barbie, Sarah Greenwood, was talking to Architectural Digest and said the level of like that specific Barbie shade of pink, that fluorescent pink, basically they caused a shortage of it because they needed so much for the set in the Warner Brothers studios. Now that's not entirely true. (laughs) Or not at all true. (laughs) So basically uh, the brand of paint is from Roscoe and they supply like the entertainment industry with like paints and kind of other things they might need like other equipment and that. So Lauren Proud she's their vice president for global marketing and she came out and said yeah they did use as much paint as we had left Uh, but they were also dealing with like everything like supply chain issues from the pandemic. If anyone remembers the 2021 Texas free like that glo- that basically caused a lot of issues with uh, some of their raw materials for the paint affected like millions of gallons of the stockpile they said so basically it's not just Barbie's fault it's global warming it's both of them we right blame okay both of them. Yeah. yeah and I because I, I was I, I was I brought my youngest to see the bloody you know uh, mermaid little film. mermaid yeah um which was, you know, was all right. Okay. Um, but they they played the they played the trailer for the Barbie movie uh, before that, mm. and she was like, "I'm totally going to that. I'm on board." But is it like can a seven year old go to this? So from what know? I've seen, I haven't seen the Irish certification, but in the UK, I think it's PG thirteen, which I think oh. translates to twelves over here, like twelve A. So, but even I think they're kind of marketing more. T- I don't think they're marketing marketing it for children. Like even from the trailer, it's very like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. The Barbies are self aware, which I'm not sure if sure. your daughter is going to care about. But it might be just no. But nice like, for the not, eyes for as her. long as Barbie isn't like snorting coke and, <laughs> and um, decides to become a hooker or something, <laughs> that, that you know should be okay. I don't. I don't think that's where the plot is going. But yeah. who knows. No, that's true. When she hits the real world, it could be you look. Know, yeah, it's yeah, all over in jail, right? Barbie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the, the, and now, the, and the Flash is going to be coming out this summer as well. Yes. Now, Ezra Miller has had their issues, kind of thing. So that uh, are, is Ezra Miller involved in the marketing of the film at all now? Not really. And I thought it was very interesting. Brian Lloyd actually mentioned it at last week's live show in Cork. The fact that they're basically wheeling out Michael Keaton to promote this movie, but being Batman. But like the movie is called The Flash. It's about The Flash. Flash Ezra yeah. Miller plays The Flash. But they've basically had all these kind of like legal issues, a string of arrests, like bad headlines ever since he was even, they were even like connected to the movie. So Hollywood Reporter had this big report in it in it this week, which basically documents this like meeting that they had in August with the kind of heads of Warner Brothers in which they were basically like, again, I'm kind of paraphrasing or imagining the conversation, but they were like, you need to like stay out of the headlines and you need to stay out of trouble. And they did in fairness, but even with that, you know, like they've apologised for everything they've done. Like there was trespassing issues. There was video footage of them like choking a woman in Iceland. Bonker stuff. Bonker stuff. And they came out and uh, they cited complex mental health issues. But basically, if you were to see any of the like even some of the trailers I'm seeing on TV or like any of the kind of promo stuff around this, they are nowhere to be seen. It's all Michael Keaton. It's all like the director. Uh, it's the girl who's playing Supergirl, Sasha Kelly in it. They are all being wheeled out as part of the promotional efforts. Now, apparently, they're, uh, Miller is expected to attend this like premiere on June 12th, but there's no journalists allowed at it. They're, they're calling it like a fan event. That's how like... I think still kind of worried there about yeah, it because yeah. 
it's a DC film and they're still very much trying to be like, we can be Marvel, we can compete with Marvel. Yeah. They haven't had any real success beyond like the Batman and then they've had all the issues with like Superman and Henry Cavill being involved, Henry Cavill not being involved. That Black Adam thing didn't do very well. Their last other few ones, that Shazam movie sequel, I think was supposed to be terrible. Uh, apparently they've also put a lot of budget behind giving advanced screeners to like big stars in the hopes that they'll talk about it. So you had like Stephen King tweet that he thought it was really good. Uh, Jaden Smith, they gave one to Tom Cruise and he was apparently blown away, whatever. Like, so they're really... They're trying to funnel it into like other ways, but then other people are questioning whether, you know, like wheeling out Michael Keaton is a good idea because I suppose the people you're marketing to, it's a much younger audience. Do they even remember Michael Keaton as Mm, Batman? Do they care? Where's my granddad talking about this film? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So does that that mean it's unlikely there'll be a flash too, unless there's some sort of Doctor Who type transformation (sighs) at the end of it? I don't know. I think initial reviews are have been okay. I think yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it has a decent score. I haven't seen it be panned anywhere, but I don't think it was. it's going to be the cash cow that they thought it was. Because it, it is a real shame because Ezra Miller is incredibly talented as an actor. But just... Well, actually, that's I, I, I kind of read one review or skimmed over one review, but they're like, they, you know, the usual falls apart in, in, in the third act. But that Ezra Miller brings a kind of nervy... Uh, uh, Probably because that's what Ezra Miller is mm. like in real life, but brings a real nervy energy to it, which you'd expect from somebody who can run so fast yeah. and, and do all these kind of fast things. Yeah. So it's a shame. Who is going to be Superman then? Who is going to be Superman? Great question. In the running, we have currently, I think they're doing screen tests for it. The reports are saying there's screen tests happening this week. So we have Nicholas Holt, who people mm. will know. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Switch, who I'm not incredibly familiar with. No. And Tom Brittany. They're all expected to test for Clark Kent this week. Uh, and then we also have in the running for Lois Lane, people who I'm much more familiar with. Emma Mackey, who people will know from Sex Education and is also going to be in the upcoming Barbie movie. Uh, Rachel Brosnahan, who people will probably best know from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Prime. And Phoebe Dynever, who was in Bridgerton. So right. they could be our next Superman and Lois Lane. Okay. We shall see. Okay, so we shall see. But there's no chance your man coming back to do it. He's like completely... I know they kind of... He got screwed on something contractual. I don't know. I'd say his ego's taken an awful bashing as well. So maybe they'll figure out some other way that he comes back in. I don't know, an ensemble movie or something. Or does a cameo or something. I don't know. But I'd say... It'll be a Kim Cattrall situation where they're like, name oh, your the phone, price. Yeah. Superman. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, he's like green screened in or something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, because he's a big lad. Like, I mean, and he looked kind of Superman-y. Yeah. So, like, are these fellas all big fellas? Nicholas Holt is, pre- I'm, again, not massively familiar with the other two, but like Nick- Nicholas Holt is a, a beefy guy, I would say. Yeah, nice and broad. If yeah. we're just going, in, if we're just talking about I that. I wonder kind of? legally, could you go for the part and say they were, you know, skinny shaming me? Everybody should be allowed. Enough. Yeah, they measured my traps and they didn't. Uh, they didn't do it justice. Yeah. Uh, they. Uh, that's, a, that's a sentence I use all the time. Uh, so, uh, uh, Leslie, tell right. us about our, our, our. Oh, we're going bubbly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, right. Okay. Now we've just got the we just got the studio done up, and uh, um, Leslie's just well, about like, to ruin it. You're supposed to have a rather than a pop, but I'll give it. Of course, give. 
Oh, oh, I see. Skillfully done. Well done. Oh, there you go now. Making a mess, as usual. Like his mammy always said. You can't actually prevent that happening, really. No. I mean, because a lot of people will claim, oh, it's because it was warm and then it was cold. No, it just, sometimes it just happens. I mean, yeah. there's a famous video of me on YouTube, which I, I don't like it. <laughs> but, yeah. but basically I say, and you should just do this very gently. To, and I literally just, the whole bottle <laughs> just empties all for me. Well, actually, where you're sitting, that, uh, uh, that part of the studio permanently smells a drink. Going yeah. back like, you know, 15 <laughs> yeah. years yeah, from exactly. exactly that kind of thing happening. Um, so this is your, this is our sparkling right. wine. Yes. Okay. So let's, let's just talk a little bit. What, so one of the reasons I'm, I'm interested in the, why I think we should know about the Loire is, it is the closest wine region to thank you Sean it is the closest wine region to Ireland um, uh, and by I mean I'm not really counting the UK because I don't think that's no. interesting there's sparkling wines ground but like you know um, anyway so if you, if you get the boat to France uh, by yeah, Cork Roscoff you're about two hours down to Nantes two and a bit hours and if you get the boat to Cherbourg you're in Normandy and basically down that peninsula it takes a little bit longer that way but you're I mean so if you so the war basically starts at Nantes that's where it hits the sea south of Nantes is Muscadet which is those lovely clean crisp white wines but then once you start going in past Nantes uh, towards Angers you start getting Chenin Blanc right so Chenin Blanc can be and it can be bone dry now what we talked about the sweet wines one thing I didn't mention is what makes the, the sweet wines from Chenin Blanc is that they are really really sweet but they are really really acidic mm. so that you get that um, it's like Coca-Cola you get that bang of sweetness and then that freshness from the from the acid that they put into it uh, yeah sorry yes. <laughs> the phosphoric I'd like acid. to point out they yeah. don't put acid yeah. in Coca-Cola citric acid or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah but, they say, but so Shen, that's why Shannon can last for years and years and years and so even if you're drinking dessert wine or this wine so uh, this is made like champagne the grape of Chenin Blanc yeah. um, it tends to be a little creamier and rounder in some ways than champagne champagne is often a little drier it depends on the style um but I haven't actually tasted this because we just opened it. Let me yeah. just taste. I I must say mm. I really like mm. it, and I you know. nice. it's good. Um, no, mine is, um, and it's not too fizzy, and it's it's kind of mm. there's a creaminess about it which I quite like. Um, I should give the name of it, which yes. um, uh, Mon Contour um, Vouvray, and uh, it's available in. Um, actually, I'll, I'll come back to the stockers in a second because yeah. I actually emailed those in earlier. Um, but so Chenin Blanc basically is used here as a dry wine, and it, it's an interesting one. It smells a bit like Parmesan sometimes. People say, and a little bit oh, kind of uh, yeah, 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 a little bit sometimes people think that. Um, <laughs> there's a thing that Parmesan also smells like. Thank you, Sean. Um, yes, right. So here we go. The it is available in the Corkscrew, right? So the nearest wine shop. To to our studio. Um, Mitchell and Son, uh, Alan Christine's Wine Shop in uh, Ken Mare, Red Island Wine in Skerries, Bagger Street Wines, Worldwide Wines and WineOnline.ie. Um, and yeah, so I said it had creamy croissant aromas. So there's, there's a touch of brioche off that maybe? A little yeah. Bit. Yeah, there a is no, bit, yeah, a little bit. Is it because I, 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 don't like your sparkling wines if they're too sparkling because mm. it just all goes up your nose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> really, and, and you can't really taste it. And the kind of biscuity bang you get off champagne, somebody. I'm, yeah, the, you're a huge fan of that. Yeah, and that's a bit of that here, but it's not as much. Mm. You know, um, does it? No, next? not at all. No, no. I think so. Um, and I just think, look, it's, 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 and I should mention the Cremant de Loire would be mostly Chenin Blanc as well, more than likely. So you will find other Loire sparklers as well. Vouvray is the most famous because it's probably the best village in the Loire for, for Chenin Blanc um, it and another one called Savanier but they don't make sparkling wine they just make a, a dry wine and it tends to be sort of 50 euros whereas Vouvray can be had this is 33 so it's not like okay. a, you know can yeah. be half the price of a, of a mm. bottle of champagne um, and I just think it's a if you're travelling to the Loire like if people are taking the boat I mean it will be all available around you know if you just take it if you do the booze cruise kind of well, thing yeah, that either. Yeah, yeah yeah and I um, mean it is right just there you know um, mm. um 
and uh, I've um, visited the regions many times. So the river itself is near Tour, so if you head in from Nantes, about an hour and a half basically is when you, and you hit Tour, and then that's where there's car racing and stuff. And Vouvray is just a village beside it, and it's a lot of there's a lot of caves there, limestone caves and stuff. And so the wines are aged in these caves, which kind of oh. keep them for yeah. And, and people actually live troglodytes, um, they call them troglodytes yeah. um, dwellings and so on, and you can actually visit those, which is kind of cool. And okay, uh, so yeah, like where go. cavemen used to live, yeah, yeah, now exactly. they have wine in it. Yeah, exactly. That's very <laughs> fresh. <laughs> It really is very fresh. <laughs> Which works. If you live in a cave, you might have well have some wine. I feel. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These, I, these now these are uh, Riegel glasses, but, yes. but 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 they don't. But they're stemless. Yes. Now, because there was always this thing that I heard that you know you're supposed to only hold the glass by the stem yeah. because you're somehow adulterating it if you hold yeah, it by yeah, the bowl. Yeah, and it does, there was a famous meme went around of Donald Trump holding his glass by just by the glass and Macron holding it by the stem. Yeah. And I was like, oh look, he knows nothing. But it was probably Fanta in his glass. He doesn't drink anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, look, I mean, I I break these less often than I break the stemmed ones, basically. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I mean, yes. I mean, the, but these are like a tenner versus uh, the a standard Riedel stemmed glass is about twenty two euros now. Yeah. Whereas these are just like about a tenner, basically ten eleven. Um, oh, so right, about, okay. you will knock about ten quid off the price. So um, what you're actually drinking from is the Shiraz glass, um, um, which I just like the shape of, which is why I bought it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, look, yeah. In, in theory, your hands are going to warm the wine and you're going to put fingerprints which will make it aesthetically less pleasing but if you're guzzling it down like yeah you're not going to notice after <laughs> no, you're really your you know, notice. first two sips anyway exactly. um, right uh, the name and details of the wines will be on our podcast for Movies and Booze today that'll be available at newstalk.com forward slash podcasts uh, after the show what's the ABV on that by the way uh, 12 Twelve, see, um, so it's not gonna... yeah, Monk, yeah, yeah Tour, um, as I said, um, and but there are you know there's I'm, I'm here to promote sparkling wine for the war in general. I mean it's, yeah. it's underrated. It's half the price. Sometimes they turn up in the supermarkets for twenty quid, like you know. So, okay, yeah, can't go wrong for that. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. <laughs> I haven't cooped up forever, dude. This is probably a lot for you, huh? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought after the car chase, we were boys. What are you? The name's Mirage. Come on. Give me a little, give me a little, give me a little, give me a little tap. Give me a little tap. There you go. Now we're friends. Oh, great. The gang's here. They're more like you? human here I'm nobody I ain't even seen nothing I'm not even seeing anything right now Jesus me tinnitus Uh, right so uh, (laughs) is is there anything vaguely like a story in there uh, Esther well there is there's a concept yeah yeah we have new transformers basically Jean Um, up till now movie fans will be aware kind of only familiar with two types of transformers living on planet earth they are the Autobots, who are the human-friendly ones um, led by Optimus Prime, of course, and they're very empathetic. They want to work with the human race uh, all the time, of course, protecting Earth from the baddie alien robots who are known as the Decepticons. Um, But this time we're getting a new uh, breed of... Uh, they're creatures, they're beasts, basically, as the title in the film suggests, and they're called Maximals. Okay. They are led by... Are they robot-y now, these ones, are these new bodies? No, they're, cre- they're basically animals, or different types of creatures, birds, right. things like that. Okay. So they're um, they're not fancy cars and, and robots. They're kind of creature robots. 
and they are led by, in one of the worst puns I've ever heard in history cinema, uh, there's a gorilla by the name of Optimus Primal, <laughs> who has styled his own, who has styled his own leadership on Optimus. I mean, like seriously, lads, Optimus Primate. It was right there in front oh, of your Optimus eyes and you Primate. didn't use it. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, Sorry. he is this gorilla robot from outer space who's the leader of the Maximals. Um, they, like the Transformers, can transform into various guises, including dangerous beasts. And they're kind of baddies. And they are searching for... Like Everyone's doing a puzzle now in their franchises, which I'm getting really tired of as well. Uh, all of these three Transformer types are in search of this re- long-missed relic called the Transwarp Key because Infinity Stones was already taken, Sean. Mm, yeah. Um, this has been split in two. Uh, with one oh, no. Eight. It's not one of those. Oh, no. The stone hazard the film is. It's not kind of... I mean, there's without... an Indiana Jones joke in the middle of it. Lads, you oh, can't stop. ape an Indiana Jones film and then just crack an Indiana Jones gag and yeah. go, that, that makes it okay, you know? Because uh, he's coming out at the end of the month anyway with his own new series. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, one element is believed to be hidden in Peru. Uh, the reasons for doing this, uh, to, for getting these two transwarp keys together again, are they want to use the powers to return home. But there is a fear that the Maximals will use it for the destruction of the human race. Why? Uh, for reasons that are explained ad nauseum. But oh, really? really okay, understood. so they like really hate humans for like good reason? Any? Oh, I don't uh, give spoilers here for this complex plot or anything, but... Uh. I mean, there is a lot, there's a lot of exposition going on here, which has the effect of actually making you switch off. So if anyone can explain it when they've seen the film, I would be really interested to hear it. Um, it's just so, it's so noisy, cliched, um, it's formulaic. And it's the seventh film, of course, now based on the YouTube popular hands pro Transformers range. Um, it's trying to give us new stakes and new villains. And I did have a kind of a bit of hope for it um, mm. for two, maybe three reasons. One, Bumblebee happened. Yeah. And it was a joy, possibly the most pleasant surprise I've ever had in a summer blockbuster. Um, two, the director here is a guy by the name. So Michael Bay is still exec producer, but he's not directing, hasn't for a while now. And the director here is a guy by the name of Stephen Capel Jr., who brought us Creed 2 a few years ago, okay. which I absolutely loved. I thought it was how to do a sequel right there, textbook stuff. Um, and then this, this one where Bumblebee was set in the 80s, this one is set in the 1990s to a hip hop soundtrack. And I thought, OK, we're going retro here again. Uh, we might get a bit of fun here, you know, but it just it's dour. It's very silly in a way that could have been entertaining, but never is. Um, it definitely needs a transformation, this series. Yeah. I don't know how it's still going. It's seven films in now. There isn't an original oh, idea in its head, really, other than the introduction of this new breed, um, which they don't do enough with, you know. Uh, they managed to make Anthony Ramos as well bland, which is a sin as far as I'm concerned, because he's, he's a lovely young actor who's leading the human cast here. But he will, people will know Anthony Ramos, shown from Hamilton. Mm. He had a huge fan base from that that show, of course, and he was in the fe- feature film of it as well. Uh, but he's also in a lovely musical a couple of years ago called In the Heights. Uh, oh, which yeah. Which I really, yeah. really liked. It was a bit underseen, I think, might have suffered from mm. the cinema closures at, uh, uh, at the first round of COVID. Um, but it's really lovely if you haven't seen it. And he's very, 
energetic and empathetic and just really charismatic in it. And here he's just, they've managed to make him bland, which oh I didn't God. think was possible with an actor like Anthony Ramos, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, big the, thumbs down for me. Then it comes to, I mean, it does a really, really cynical thing in the end as well of trying to kickstart a new thing, possibly a new franchise in a ridiculous manner. I can't go into it because it's the very end of the film. But I was okay. just there going, oh, for the love of God, stick a fork in me now, multiverses. I am done. You know, there's just too much of it. Everything, everyone's aping everyone else. And there's, I mean, it's blockbuster season. I get it. But like, I think everyone using similar storytelling structures now is becoming really lazy and bland. And it's, there, there's never, you go into the movies to be surprised, Sean. You dream of it like yeah. when you go in to yeah. be surprised. And I just think... In the era we're in now, a lot of that has been stripped away and it makes me quite sad, actually. Yeah. And here's another example. Of and, and and the Space Monkey baddies, are, 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 do they come from the original franchise or the, whatever the original thing was? Or is the, the, uh, the producers of this particular film dreamed it up? I mean, I tried to look all this up last night. I think they're distant first cousins of the Decepticons is the best way I can describe right, it. Right, okay, that, so apes uh, are, are, are related to lorries. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that makes perfect sense. Distant first Transformer yeah. cousins. Yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's a good idea in terms of, I, do, I just, yeah, creature feature, cool. I'm good with that. Uh, but I don't think they have the impact that monsters turning into really fast cars and trucks have. I just yeah. don't think, even for young kids, it's just not as exciting. There's a bird. But if oh. this is like the seventh or eighth film, right. Esther, it'll make a fortune still, I assume. There's loads of Yeah, they, they do very well. I'll be interesting to see with this one, um, will we see diminishing returns? But the reason they stick to formula and the reason they are seven movies in is because they're big. Also, they sell heaps of toys, you know? Yeah. Of you, course. They, you, could, you could probably find they make as much money from the toy market as they do, you know, digital with a lot of animated films. They're not the only ones doing that. Yeah. Um, but like, that's kind of where we're at now, you know, in terms of yeah. audiences uh, yeah. and sales. It's and, just one big advert, uh, really. Yeah. Uh, someone says, great name for a movie, Gorilla Robots from Outer Space. It would be. Uh, someone else says, the last or second to last Transformers movie called The Last Night was probably the worst film I've ever seen in the cinema. Only Independence Day 2 came close to it and it starred a double Oscar winner, Anthony Hopkins. This one is getting much better reviews than that, though on the whole, so maybe your movie, lady, is over-egging its awfulness just a bit. I, I don't, like, I know Esther wasn't a fan of it, but like any review of this I've read has been, this is awful. Uh, it's I mean, you un- could say it's not awful. as bad as the absolute worst one, but I don't think they're going to put that on the poster, Sean. Yes, hardly a good review, really. Uh, right, OK, that was... Uh, we, we'll talk about something perhaps a bit more uplifting uh, in, in, an, in another few minutes. Now, Ted Lasso came to an end, Fanula. Mm-hmm. There was an interesting kind of Twitter discussion on this where, like, English people were saying, well, look, we're aware of it, but to English people, because it's about a soccer club, they kind of know, you know, it's an American show about a soccer club. So mm. they always felt that like the Americans got it slightly wrong, if yeah, you know what I mean. But as Americans it, seem to love it. Yeah, but I do also think this season was not great. And that Ooh, was really right, okay. disappointing. I think the end <clears throat> kind of ties everything up in a nice little bow. And it did kind of get me in the fields a little bit. But mm. overall, there were a lot of writing decisions that made absolutely no sense in my mind. And there was only like probably one like very very good episode I'd be interesting to 
hear what listeners think of that but All right. that was just yeah. me it was very disappointing but anyway as you said it came to an end last week third season any interview that Jason Sudeikis and Brett Goldstein and any of the rest of them have done it's kind of been heavily implied that this is the last season like yeah. they're not coming back it's done and as I said no spoilers but the season is kind of wrapped up nicely for all the characters but Brendan Hunt who plays Beard in the show and he's a, a co-creator of the show was doing a Reddit thread this week where he was basically talking about they could come back for something he said we need a break we'll take one presently nothing has been ruled out everything is possible but that also includes the possibility that we're done so there's a lot of talk around whether maybe there'd be like a spin-off of where the characters go from this show or is there going to be kind of like a prequel series mm. following I don't know someone yeah. like Keely or Roy or something I I know I say this about a lot of things but genuinely if they continue this story I will be actively annoyed because I don't like why end it in the way that they did only for them to read for yeah. them to read you know what I mean it's just it's kind of cynical in a way that they if they, they come to a def- definitive end and then the fans go oh no please don't oh okay then yeah uh, exactly uh, that's, you know, I'm going now Oh, please don't yeah. miss me. <laughs> that kind of yeah, thing. We'll uh, and we'll do our, our, our weekly run through of uh, cynical uh, live action remakes of films. Oh. I did already mentioned uh, The Little Mermaid there. Yes. What, what else is coming up? So officially on the slate, we have Snow White, which I think we've talked about before. Rachel Zegler is going to be in that. Uh, we also have The Lion King pre- prequel, which I think I've mentioned on the show before. Mm. But when I spoke about it, I actually thought it was an animated prequel. But this is Mufasa. So it's a Lion King prequel, but a focus is on Mufasa and it's live action. And you have some of the people from the original live action coming back. You have uh, Billy Eichner, John Canney, Seth Rogen, Kelvin Harrison Jr. is taking over the voice of Mufasa. So they're officially on this late. And then in terms of what's filming as well, you have the Lilo and Stitch remake. That's currently shooting in Hawaii. That's coming to Disney+. Plus. That's kind of already embroiled in a lot of controversy around castings. There's like accusations of colorism. The person that was cast to play David, who is like Lilo's sister's love interest had to be replaced because of he said some not great things online and people found that out so he was promptly zipped out uh, in terms of who we know as cast uh, we have Maya Kealoha is playing Lilo Zach Galifianakis as Jumba Billy Magnuson as Pleakley and Courtney B. Vance is playing Cobra Bubbles and there are reports that Chris Anders who was the co-writer and the co-director on the original animated film is coming back to voice uh, Stitch we're also getting a live action adaptation of Moana which will be great news to parents Sean is shaking his head. No, because way to ruin a perfectly good film. Okay, and yeah. but The Rock is like very in on board for this. He's on ex- executive okay. producer. And he's, he's great. He was great role. in the, uh, you know, original. What animated. would your qualms be about the live action? Just because they, they'll somehow come up with a blander version of it. Mm. Uh, um, like what, Like if you have a perfectly shaped egg, we'll go, well, we need another perfectly shaped egg. No, you don't. You have an egg. Yeah. Just stick with the egg. Leave the eggs alone, yeah. please. Stop, stop diluting its inner egginess. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Let's talk about our second wine, Leslie. We are in red wine country now. So as well as the Chenin Blanc grape, the red grape is Cabernet Franc, which is the mother grape of Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm. Seems odd that we now know this because both those grapes come from the Loire Valley originally. Cabernet Sauvignon is created from Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc. It sounds really obvious when we say it, but that knowledge had yeah. been forgotten. So Cabernet Franc is a little drier, red-fruited version of, of Cabernet Sauvignon. And this is a cooler region, so you seem to get a little leafiness. But I think this is lovely and fresh. I should give the name. The name is uh, Algarafo Chinon. 
So C-H-I-N-O-N is the name of the region. Olga Raffo uh, Le Bernabez and it is available in Kelly's of Newport, Blackrock Cellars, theallotment.ie, James Nicholson's uh, in Crossgar and their website jnwine.com. Mm. I do like a Cabernet Franc. It's, it's, is it a bit too fresh for you? I was worried because I know you like Oh no, I, okay. I know, I, but yeah. I do like a Cabernet Franc but the, you don't see it as much here. No, and it, it's rarely on a label. I mean, there are some from the New World but you have to look mm. for them like if they'll be buried Yeah, there's the a back, South you know. African one you can make. Yeah, you, 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 you might see it. Salentine, I think, yeah. from um, Uco Valley and they make a really nice one yeah. but, it, but you've got to look behind all the Malbecs to find the Cabernet Franc. <laughs> Yes. Um, um, but yeah, and it, it and look, everyone talks about sideways and you know the famous wine that mm. he kept and kept and kept from 1961. That's mostly Cabernet Franc. Ah, yeah, that's uh, that's so, so interesting. Um, Very nice wine. Yes. How, how much? So uh, about 20, 26, 25. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So one more time, the name Shinon Algarafo Organic. Yeah. Okay. Well worth it. Right. We'll move on to our second movie. It is Medusa Deluxe. Here's a clip. All right. Listen to me. When you talk, you give short answers, all right? How long do you know him? Years. Do you want to put a number on that? Where'd you meet? Cutting air. Just me and him in the salon. And his mum on reception with perm. Okay, short answers, Renee. They don't care about perms. Perfect beach wave. So, okay, you started a salon when you met him and then you left to run these, all right? End of. I've got no interest in you going down the way. Right, okay, that's Medusa, uh, a deluxe. So it's, it's, is it in a hairdresser's all this happens or is it a hairdressing competition? It's set around, uh, on the eve of a hairdressing competition um, in South London, Sean. And this one had me at a low because we're introduced to a character. In the very first line, she says, what the F is going on? I am in the middle of a Georgian Fontange. You can't just walk away from that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) She, her name is Cleve. Mm. What a name for a murder suspect. Uh, And she is in the opening moments trying to create this flamboyant style that she feels like she's going, is going to win. But news has just gotten around backstage that, um, this man named Mosca, who was a favourite to win the competition, this very, very well-known hairdresser, much loved, um, has been found dead and scalped Ooh. in uh, the room. So Cleve is, to call her a sociopath, doesn't do her enough justice as a character. She's foul-mouthed, she's a psycho. She tells a story one time about getting revenge on one of her members of staff's ex-boyfriend, which was basically involved grievous bodily harm. Uh, so and this is the kind of character she is but is she a killer that's the question uh-huh. and that's the puzzle at the heart of this really really black comedy um, shot by a, for a debut from writer-director Thomas Hardyman but shot in one take style uh, people will remember Boiling Point last year I think and how when it's done well the one shot thing can really up the ante in terms of making it first of all feel like a live unfolding event for a murder mystery that's great um, and then also it really cranks up the tension. I actually found this a bit saffy movie now. I was kind of having an uncut gems vibe uh, watching the film unfold. So there's a, a dark humour at the heart of it, but it's also quite, I suppose, a stressful viewing experience as well in that kind of mad one take kind of way. Shot by our own cinematographer, Robbie Ryan. Um, there is a, a number of other uh, people that are suspected they include this model who claims she left the room for five minutes when he was doing her hair and came back and found him. <laughs> and uh, a couple of other characters 
that you meet, including the man who was questioned there, who is actually a middle-aged gay man who's an ex-lover, who's been coached by his own member of staff to not... He's very, very distraught at his death and he, he's been coached by his own member of staff in the clip we heard there, how to not give away detail when being quizzed by the police. Yes. Uh, it's, it's uneven, I think. I would could say this one could have done it with a few more clips and a bit more hairspray just to hold it all together. Yeah. Um, but it is wickedly funny. Yeah. And, and it's is a very it, promising it, debut from Thomas Hardiman. I can't wait to see what he does next. Is this in cinemas, uh, Esther? This is in cinemas. It's a, a, a limited release, obviously, because Transformers is everywhere. Yeah. But it's a nice piece of co- counter-programming if you're looking to see something original this right. weekend. Right, um, and that actually has a story you can understand. Uh, Esther... Uh, Fanula and Leslie, thank you all very much. That's our lot. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk.